Boogie Chits going international this week. In the past, we've traveled to Zambia in Africa with Paul and Gozi, Jagari and the Zamrock gang with their floppy colorful hats. We've been to Peru to visit Chicha legend Juan Juan Papalizio and Nuo Fashin, his ace guitarist who was also an ayahuascan witch doctor on the side. And now to France in the 1960s with Jacques Dutronc, who introduced the sound of American rock and roll to France by incorporating psychedelic nuggetry and garage rock flutters into his catchy pop jams. Jacques Dutronc started releasing albums in 1966 and hasn't stopped. He slowed down, but he hasn't stopped. My favorite being today's album, his second released in 1968, called Il Cinq Yours, English translation, it's 5 o'clock. Okay, let's get into it. I'm Brennan, welcome to Boogie Chits. Jacques Dutronc was born April 28, 1943 in Paris, France, which was occupied by Nazi Germany at that time. One year after Jacques is born, Paris is liberated, so I guess he grows up in post-World War II Paris. Jacques' dad worked for the state-run coal industry, so my guess is pretty standard upbringing for Jacques, school and all that, and then in 1960, aha, 17-year-old Jacques and a few of his friends, they start a band. Jacques on guitar. He had a, a pair of girls on that he was friends with on bass and drums, and then a guy named Daniel as singer. So it's a teenage four-piece rock band in 1960 Paris. After uh, playing together for a year and learning to put together songs, they get an audition for Jacques Wolfson, who works for a French record label called Discs Vogue. Discs Vogue was a label formed by two French guys named Leon and Charles in 1947. The label specialized in American jazz recordings, records by guys like Dizzy Gillespie. The label basically made popular jazz records from America available in France. So they were basically a a French distribution wing for American jazz. By 1960, Discs Vogue was looking to get into the pop game and wanted to fill their roster with their own young Parisian acts. They wanted to set themselves up as a label for original stuff, which totally makes sense. Re-releasing or redistributing old stuff is probably gets kind of boring. This is how young Jacques Dutronc and his gang get an audition. So Jacques Wolfson of Vogue, he thinks that the band are great, especially the guitar player Jacques Dutronc, who is the ba- clearly the band leader and has a natural musical competency. Wolfson is the one who gives the band a name, El Toro El Cyclones, the bull in the cyclones. I assume Dutronc is the bull. Les Cyclones were one of two acts that Discs Vogue added to their roster that day. The other was a beautiful 17-year-old girl who had been singing for a few years named Francois Hardy. It's probably pronounced R-D, but I'm going to say Hardy, H-R-D-Y. Francois had already graduated school. She was brilliant, skipped skipped grades a few times. Um, But she was looking to become a singer, 
She could kind of play guitar and had like absolute model looks. So Vogue were all about uh, Francois. El Toro y Les Cyclones record and put out two singles for Vogue, Le Uncle, Le Uncle John, and Le Va- Vagabond. And uh, then it ends there. The band breaks up when their, the guitar player, Jacques Dutronc, gets drafted for military service. I was thinking in my head, what the hell is this guy getting drafted for? Well... The Algerian War was reaching its tail end when Jacques is drafted in 1962. Algeria Algeria at that time was a French colony that wanted independence from France, and they got it that year. I think the French army was pretty unenthusiastic about the whole thing and were, like, getting their asses kicked. Even the soldiers were like, let them be their own shit so we can go home. And with that, Algeria became a country. Jacques Dutronc is out of the army in 1963. He is 20 years old. What is a young man torn away from his band by war, now returning home, supposed to do? Well, he has a job waiting for him at Disque's Vogue. He becomes Jacques Wolfson's assistant, the guy who named Les Cyclones and was a fan of uh, young Jacques' talent and work ethic. Welcome back, Jack. Here's a job. So Jacques also briefly plays guitar in the backing band for a, a singer-actor named Claude Moyne, who went by the, the name Eddie Mitchell. <laughs> he picked that stage name simply because it sounded American. Eddie Claude Moyne Mitchell would hire regional backing bands depending on where he was performing. So Jacques Dutronc played guitar for him in Paris. But when Eddie went to England... His preferred guitarist was a young studio adept guitarist named Jimmy Page. That's funny. Jacques is a great assistant to his mentor, Wolfson. But don't forget, he's also a talented musical composer and arranger. He got skills so much so that Wolfson, who is like the most esteemed figurehead of the label, he hires Jacques to be a staff songwriter for, for Vogue. The artists that Jacques is tasked with writing songs for are all like hot girl solo artists. It's unbelievable. So Jacques is like 20 years old, blonde bull basket of blonde hair on his head, and his job is to write songs for the following three artists. This is his first um, to-do list, if you will, as far as being a songwriter for in his new, new role. First up is Juju. That's Z-O-U. I guess it's like Zsa but it's Z-O-U-Z-O-U. So Juju, she's a, a model, actress, jack-of-all-trades type entertainer who would, who would go on to live briefly with Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones. And she became a, a, an icon of the French 60s. She's still alive, 80 years old. Another gal was Cleo, real name Chantal Rousselot. She would go on to release six singles for Vogue. Cleo would later find success in like a Sonny and Cher style duo with some guy. She's still alive, almost 80. Pretty much everyone in this episode is alive and in their 80s. It's unbelievable. Cleo was part of a Parisian musical subgenre called Yeah Yeah, which was created by the third girl Jacques was linked up with to write songs for, Francois Hardy, 
the girl who was signed to Vogue the same time as the as the Cyclones. You know, the Cyclones, they became pissed in the wind when Jacques went to the army. But in that time, Francois had become a big deal. When Francois Hardy auditioned for Jacques Wolfson in 1961, she didn't know much about music. She could carry a tune, though, and Wolf Wolfson was so impressed with her looks and intelligence that he signed her to a one-year contract. Then he paid for Francois to get piano and harmony lessons. She got on French television right away. Strapped with a guitar, Francois performed the song La Filie Avec Toi on the highly influential Petit Conservatoire TV show. The lyrics to the song contain the phrase, yeah, yeah, which would become the name of the, you know, the musical phenomenon that Francois would become a face of. She was a hit. I'm not sure if Jacques actually ended up writing songs for her, but not a bad gig for 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 20-year-old Jacques Dutronc. Look what happened to this guy when he gets drafted to the uh, French army compared to, like, say, somebody in the 60s from America getting drafted into the war. You can use, like, let's use uh, somebody, Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan Taylor from that from Bebo Saves America movie, Forrest Gump. Guy gets drafted to Vietnam. <laughs> He's supposed to die there. It's in his, in his, uh, in his written in his family creed. He comes home, out complete alcoholic, pushing himself down in a chair down uh, Avenue of the Americas, sleeveless T-shirts and fucking fingerless gloves. Guy's a mess. And then the poor guy had to watch that dimwit dullard Forrest Gump win ping pong games and piss his pants in front of JFK. I guess Lieutenant Dan, though, he wasn't drafted. He was he was all in. He was an enlisted guy. I, uh, you know, I, hey, Lieutenant Dan, let me introduce you to uh, this guy, Jacques Dutronc. He's a, he's a veteran of the Algerian War. You guys probably have a lot in common. Not quite. Hey Jacques, hey Jacques, what happened when you got? Was it tough for you when you got back? Like me? No, no, I came back and I started writing songs for models, and I'm about to go bang Juju as soon as this conversation is over. Juju, roll this turkey out of here. So anyway, Jacques is in a, in a, in a good spot. He's great at writing, arranging, and composing music, but he doesn't write lyrics. His gift is in uh, melody. So Jacques' mentor, Jacques Wolfson, partners Young Dutronc up with a guy that can deliver the words for his songs. Jacques Lanzmann. Yes, that's right. Another Jacques. Jacques Lanzmann was born in 1927. And by the time he became a songwriting partner of Jacques Dutronc, Lanzmann had quite a career already established. He was an internationally traveled journalist author of several novels, and he was even a screenwriter. He was the editor-in-chief of Lou magazine at this time and was probably looking for a new adventure with his pen, so he gave uh, songwriting a whirl. All right, so there are three males in this episode, and they're all named Jacques. Not exactly fighting French stereotypes here. I'm waiting for that cartoon rape skunk to show up. Pepe Le Pew or whatever the fuck. All right, so let, let's clarify the three Jacques. Jacques Dutronc is our artist. Jacques Wolfson is his mentor at Disques Vogue. And Jacques Lanzmann 
is now the lyricist for Jacques Dutronc's melodies. We got a, that's like a, they're like a French Jerry Garcia, Robert Hunter combo, those two. So the two Jacques hit it off and get a lot of work done. Um, it's a good songwriting combo. Dutronc whipping up interesting songs on his guitar and Landsman's quirky sense of humor filling out the words. They kept the Vogue palette full with material, but I'm not. I'm not sure. I really. I, I don't think they did anything with Francois. She. Um. She'd already started recording in London and would continue to make her way towards being one of the most popular French singers of all time. She was on another level at this point. The two Jacques do, however, end up writing a song in early 1966 that would be a game changer for Dutronc. A catchy tune called. Imoi, 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 basically translates in English to like me, me, me. Great garage rock pulse to it and Landsman's lyrics talking about the joys of being selfish while the world, you know, crumbles around you. Really interesting. They pen the jam for some folk dork uh, named Benjamin, but Jacques Wolfson, he, he didn't, he was displeased with Benjamin's version. So what does he do? He tells Jacques Dutronc to record a version of it himself. He can pull it off. He's got the look. Yeah, Jacques is pretty dashing, but he's got a bit of the Frankenstein face going on. I don't know. He's got that basket of gently side-parted blonde hair on his head. He wears slim suits. The guy looks like a goddamn swinger. He's like a refined Austin Powers. Top dog at the key party. Toss your... uh. Jangle, jangle, toss your car keys in here if you want to, if you want a chance at banging Jacques Dutronc. So uh, Jacques' uh, version of his own song, Et moi, et moi, et moi, is a huge hit. Of course it is for this fucking guy. The arrival of Jacques Dutronc and a few other artists really marked the first time there was an authentic garage rock and roll style music in France that wasn't a shameless imitation of this stuff from England or America. So Jacques Dutronc, he records a full length and it comes out at the end of 1966 and it's huge. Sells over 1 million copies despite the French public generally being unenthused by the large LP style record. This was a country uh, used to singles. Yeah, so albums hadn't been a thing in France, full-length LPs. I assume maybe that a lot of it's because people didn't have the record player that could fit the larger ones. It just really wasn't on the map yet, like full-length albums. It was almost like a those full-lengths were more, more like promotional devices to get to the single, I guess. It was still relatively new even in the LP, even in England and the U.S. We're only a couple years in, I would say. In like 66. So anyway, Jacques Dutronc, his first seven albums are all self-titled. Same with Francois Hardy. This is like all over the, the world too. Tim Maia from Brazil, same deal, who I love. First four or five albums, all self-titled. So what happens is over the years, Jacques Dutronc and other artists' records, they, they would get cataloged by out of necessity by just calling the record the same name as the most popular song on it or by the year it was released. So that being said, Jacques Dutronc's first album is tagged. It's actually self-titled, but it's tagged as Imoi, Imoi, Imoi because that's the most popular banger on it. 
So things just seem to snap into place perfectly for this fucking guy. Personally, I feel it's a toss-up on which one is better out of the first two Jacques Dutronc albums. We're highlighting the his second album today, the next one. But the first one is the same deal in quality. I would say Moi, Moi, Moi is more down the center French version of garage rock than the second, which is more adventurous in spots. It's got more, the one we're doing today is more showman flair. Jacques' personality a little bit more out front. Jacques' inspiration, um, his main inspirations from, I guess, the West is uh, Bob Dylan and the Kinks. And it's all, and those influences are all over the debut. But he also provides inspiration for future sounds in rock and roll. I feel like I've said this on, on this show before, but David Bowie openly said he wrote Gene Genie with Jacques La Fille du Père Noël in mind. The, the chainsaw guitar riff is right there, which uh, Jacques got from the Kinks. So David Bowie took from Jacques what Jacques uh, was inspired by the Kinks. It's a give and take world. But that's a great song on the album. In 1973, A Moi, A Moi, A Moi, the title track was adapted with English lyrics as All Right, All Right, All Right, and became a British number three hit for the group Mungo Jerry. Mungo Jerry was um, in the summertime when it's that that they're almost like a uptown Mother McCree's uptown. It's like a jug band almost. They got like a washboard and everything. Okay, another good song on the first album is Les Cactus. Absolute swinging rocker. Love that song. Les Operation is definitely Bob Dylan influenced. Has a blonde on blonde cadence when uh. You know, Bob was uh, couldn't put that harmonica down. The music part of Lay Operation is, um, you know, the the lyrics. It's it's got that lyrical Dylan cadence, but the music part it has this like really gentlemanly garage pop sound to it. It's really good. It's worth checking out. This is an album I strongly. I would start with number one, with a moi 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 with uh, Jacques. All right, so Jacques is. Jacques Dutronc is pretty huge in France after one album and a couple of hits. He's only 24 years old. He looks older than that to me, though. The charmed existence continues. In 1967, in between his first album, M.Y.M.Y.M.Y., and his second album, the one we are celebrating today, 1968, Il est cinq Jacques hooks up with Francois Hardy, who is coming off her first English, English language album that became that actually became a hit in England. She had also been to America where her records were now being sold. Like she's unbelievably popular, and Jacques Dutronc is now banging her. The guy is on absolute fire. All right, so we'll talk more about the Jacques and Francois power couple event, you know later on but let's get into Jacques Dutronc album number two in a sank it's five o'clock this is a peak musical Dutronc and the first of two albums he would release in that in 1968 this is the more uh, potent one 
it's been a nice string of years for Jacques. Let me tell you, in 1966, he sells a, a million of his debut. In 1967, he, he links up with Francois Hardy, one of the most celebrated singers in Europe. And then here we are in 1968, where Jacques becomes the single name most synonymous with psychedelic pop rock in France. And the saint has the same cast at the helm as the first. Music by Jacques Dutronc, words by Jacques Lanzmann, with some extra help from his wife thrown in. And the album will be released by Discs Vogue under the direction of the third Jacques, another Jacques, Jacques Wolfson, his mentor. 12 songs at about 32 minutes in length. It's a super easy listen, like the first one. Most of the songs are under three minutes in range. All right, let's uh, start getting into it. We got a slow one to start us off called Comen et les Domains. The title translates in English to How They Sleep. I'll do my best with the uh, French enunciations, but honestly, if it ends up sounding like uh, Bobo Goes to France, that's life. I don't know. Lick my balls. That is definitely the voice of a swinger. You can hear Jacques' acoustic guitar, and then he has his studio musician crew filling filling the rest with interesting uh, colors. He does that with a lot of his songs. Here he has like a weeping electric guitar line, and then do woppy background singers low in the mix. The similar work ethic uh, to uh, to David Bowie. You know, you write the basic framework with a piano or, or acoustic guitar or whatever, and then have your trusted posse bring the uh, the vision to the overall vision to sound. Fe Passi, Fe Passa is up next. Great song. English translation, don't do this, don't do that. This song is, is an example of a chanson, which is a lyrics-driven French song. Arrête de chamailler, réponds quand on t'appelle Sois poli, dis merci à la dame Laisse ta place, c'est l'heure d'aller au lit Faut pas rater la classe Fais pas ci, fais pas ça À dada pour tout cadet, à cheval sur mon vide Tu me fatigues, je n'en peux plus Dis bonjour, dis bonsoir Ne cours pas dans le couloir, sinon pendant tu tu Fais pas ci, fais pas ça Viens ici au toit de là Prends la porte, sors d'ici, écoute ce qu'on te dit Fais pas ci, fais pas ça À dada pour tout cadet, à cheval sur mon vide Tête de mule, tête de bois, tu vas recevoir une bête Qu'est-ce que t'as fait de mon père yeah, Jacques goes off on Fais pas si, fais pas ça. Has like a country honk swing to it. Fais pas si, fais pas ça was also the name of a French television series that ran from 2007 to 2017 on the France 2 network. I guess it wasn't good enough for France 1. Song number three is called Le Metaphore. The Beatles released Sgt. Pepper the previous year, and um, Jacques is definitely doing doing the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds thing here. 
I might be reaching with the Lucy in the Sky thing, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to assume that La Metaphor translates to the metaphor. This album, Ila Sank Urs, has by far the best album cover photo of Jacques' uh, self-titled First Seven. All of his albums, the uh, the covers are just his name and a picture of him in a suit, and he's either holding a guitar, smoking a cigarette, or in this one's case, chomping down on a cigar looking like he's about to defrock for an orgy. Maybe that's why this album is his most popular with like music nerds like me. You just see that that French J.R. Ewing looking lunatic photo, and it's like, boom, That's I'm starting with this one. It's funny. It's a great photo. Banger in the four spot called La Publicité has like a vaudeville vibe to it. Uh, tremendous. Absolute banger. My take is that La Publicité is a song about an arrogant ladies man or just like a celebrity in general. Francois Hardy, uh, Jacques' other half, had become a massive La Publicité entity by this time. She and her sister were, were raised just by her mom. Her father was, uh, wasn't around. He was an inherently super wealthy, already married guy named Etienne, and he, who was like never around, non, you know, just non-existent to her. So this guy, Etienne, he ended up leaving his other family too because he was gay. And not like domesticated New Hope, Pennsylvania gay, like Michael Jackson, bad video, subway blowjob gay. Etienne, Francois Hardy's father, he ended up getting killed, stabbed to death at 80 years old by some young uh, twink street prostitute he was trying to solicit. Unbelievable. Next song is called La Augmentation, and it's a, a total swinger jam to me. Jaka yells words like an army drill sergeant and then it just drops into like a groovy rocker. There's like a sense of humor in there. You could tell even if like you're unable to absorb the French language um, that that he's got like, uh, you know, there's a wink to everything. Jacques Landsman's lyrics are a big part of uh, Dutronc's appeal in France. I'm not, I'm not a lyrics guy, period. I'm more into 
the the music part. the The cadence hits me more than the uh, content when it comes to music. Okay, my favorite Jacques Dutronc song is up next. This is my favorite uh, song in his catalog. First time I heard this song, I was like, "What is that? I need that in my life." And then I found the album with Jacques gritting that cigar in his uh, key party beak and was absolutely sold. The song is called Hippie Hippie Hurrah, and it's uh, basically a uh, sarcastic bash on the flower power culture of the time. Awesome, Jacques. Check YouTube for the uh, promotional video of this song that Jacques made at the time. It's worth it, and it's absolutely insane. He's performing like Tom Jones, and he has all these girls dancing around him doing the kissy noises. It's It really can't be explained, but you're going to be like, what the fuck is this when you see it? So the two Jacques may have rolled their eyes at hippies, but Jacques Dutronc was an active participant in the yeah, yeah culture in his home country. Yeah, yeah, music became popular in France in the late 1960s, taking elements of American and English rock and roll and applying them to French pop sensibilities. Good-looking female singers are generally considered the faces of the yeah, yeah movement, but, you know, Jacques was uh, penning songs for them. Cleo, Queen Francois, and I guess Juju. I'm not sure if she ever made any music. The most popular Jacques Dutronc song kicks off the second half of the album, Il a Sancour Paris Sa Vie, which translates to It's Five O'Clock, like the album title. Paris is Awake, so it's not the full song name on the album. Huge song. It was a number one hit in France for one week. So it's basically about, the lyrics are about a nightclubber's morning after. Like some party animal leaving a nightclub in the morning when it closes. And then he goes out and the sun realizes the world is up and moving. But the clubber is uh, still ready to go and party. So it's like it's like some Italian-American leaving the limelight in the uh, 1990s in designer wind pants looking to continue the party. Lanzmann's wife, a fellow writer named... Anna Sagalin gets partial lyric writing credit for this jam. It's um it's very similar to the King song Waterloo Sunset. I don't know. It's like one of the biggest songs in French 
history, or at least at that time. But uh, I don't even think it's the best uh, song on the album. A guy named Roger Bourdine does that uh, improvised flute solo thing throughout the whole song. Like I said, Il Esancour Paris Saint-Vie was the number one song in France for one week in 1968. In America in 1968, it was actually rare for a song to be number one for only one week. Only happened twice that year. Green Tambourine by the Lemon Pipers was the top song for the first week of February. And Harper Valley PTA by Jeannie C. Riley was the top jam during the third week of September 1968 only. Hey Jude was probably the most popular song overall that year. Number one for nine weeks in a row. Yeah, so like having, you know, usually the singles, uh, number one songs usually repeated for more than, I'll tell you, uh, Harper Valley PTA and Green Tambourine. I probably like both those, those songs more than Hey Jude. Um, all right, moving along. Awesome ja- uh, Jam at track eight. Song's name is Le Metamorphosis. Not to be confused with the third song, which is called La Metaphor. The one with the Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds thing. Jacques uh, got the inspiration for this one from from the Moody Blues, though, which is uh, another Brit band. Classic de trunk move with the um, stutter effect on his vocals. That just we live from, 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 from. He's uh, Jacques is singing about Frankenstein, probably metaphorically, maybe about himself. He does have that long Franken face. Sapra, sapra pa is the next song. I actually have trouble um, enunciating this one. Uh, surprisingly, Jacques is going down the. Um, the American Blues Road here. Jock is definitely an above the dick guitar player, by the way. I, I think he, he definitely holds his guitar above the general region. Remember, guitar above the dick or below it, never over it. I generally don't care for like that dun, 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 like that um, Blues Brothers Carnival cruise ship blues riff thing, but Jock uh, totally brings it there. I bet you uh, this song was popular with the French folk at the time. 
Electric Blues was uh, super popular in the U.S. in 1968. Taj Mahal released his first two albums that year, self-titled, and then The Natural Blues, which has awesome album, has Karina and She Caught the Katie. Go check that one out if you've never heard it. B.B. King also released two albums that year. I don't know anything about B.B. King. And also Skip James and John Lee Hooker dropped records in 68. Les de la Réforme is up next. Chanson-style song that translates to The King of Reforms. Jacques uses the phrase nervous breakdown in that song. Very only brief uh, dip into English with that guy. I think this song is about a playboy, of course, who has uh, found the Lord. Kind of like David Bowie's word on a wing from um, Station to Station. I'm, I I think David Bowie was like a really super big fan of Jacques Dutronc. The next to last track is an interesting one. It's titled Le Courier de Cour. The lyrics are set up like a newspaper advice column, like a like a French Dear Abby. J'ai un problème. Je veux que personne ne le sache. Quand je vais la voir, je me cache. J'ai du plaisir, mais je suis lâche. Parce que cette fille a des moustaches Comment faire pour les épiler Marcel Segal répondez-moi Aidez-moi à trouver l'âme seule Marcel Segal répondez-moi Sans vous il n'y a pas de bonheur And for the last three tracks on the album Jacques kind of loses the rock and roll stuff and focuses more on standard French pop stylings i think one of the verses in la courier de croix is about a man who is distraught because he's in love with a woman with a mustache that jacques lansman is a uh, total silly goose with his clever wordplay all right so jacques is going to close out il a cinq with les plus difficiles final song pretty much all of jacques most popular stuff all of his his first seven albums they're all 12 tracks at like a half an hour long it's like clockwork That's the thing about Jacques de Tronc joints to me. I hear this song and then all night I'm going to be like, la, et plus difficile. 
And then it just becomes part of your life over the years in a way. Jacques Dutronc's second album was released in early 1968 on the Vogue label, and of course it was a big hit. Il est cinq comma, Paisa Vie was the number one song in France for one week and eventually grew to become a French pop anthem. He would release five more albums up through 1975, all self-titled, roughly 12 tracks at a half an hour long. Most of the songs co-written with ace lyricist Jacques Lanzmann and all released on the Discs Vogue label with his mentor under his mentor Jacques Wolfson. Your best bet with Jacques Dutronc, I would say, is to definitely check out the first two albums in full back-to-back, but the 2004 Greatest Hits comp called In Vogue is pretty solid. It has songs from the first seven Batch of Dutronc releases that he released on the Vogue label. La Plablicité is on there. No hippie hippie hurrah, though. In 1974, Jacques Dutronc started acting and got his first role, the lead, in a movie called Antoine and Sebastian that was directed by Jean-Marie Painter, or excuse me, Jean-Marie Perrier, like the goddamn water, who is also the person who took the photo of Jacques chomping that cigar that appears on the cover of Ili saint today's album. He did really good with acting. The second movie he was in became a box office hit. I forget the name. And in 1977, he was nominated for a Caesar Award, which are like the French Oscars. Best Supporting Actor nomination for a movie called Mado. In 1980, he was in a movie called Slow Motion that was directed by Jean-Luc Godard, who is like the godfather of French New Wave cinema, something I know nothing about. Somebody that does, does know about French New Wave cine, cinema is American film nerd turned like biggest director in the history of the world, Steven Spielberg. He loved Jacques Dutronc. Thought he was one of the best actors in France in the 1970s. So much so that he wrote the lead villain role in Raiders of the Lost Ark with Jacques in mind. Jacques couldn't play the role, though, because he couldn't speak a lick of English. Didn't understand it, couldn't speak it, so the role went to some other guy. Can you believe that? I mean, it's unbelievable. He could only say, uh, he said, what did he say in the, when the metamorphosis or whatever? Or is it Le Carrière de Quoi? He says, um, nervous breakdown. Um, I've never seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's the one where uh, the gigantic boulder rolls over Harrison Ford. Anyway, in 1992, Jacques won a Best Actor uh, Caesar Award for his portrayal of Vincent Van Gogh in a biopic about the painter. He would get nominated again in 1999 for something else. Jacques Dutronc is a big-time actor in France, or he was. Jacques came back to music in the 1980s. He released a few albums over the decade, but nothing really took pretty much poorly reviewed. Jacques Lanzmann and Anna Segalin, his wife who wrote the lyrics to Jacques' biggest song, El Saint they got divorced in the 80s, and Jacques ended up writing a lot of songs with just her. Scandalous. He also penned some songs with Serge Gainsbourg, who was like the marquee name in the history of French pop. So overall, Jacques is a goddamn legend. Francois Hardy would venture into acting as well, mostly in the 1960s in cameo roles because she was like such a popular singer. 
She was in, she made a cameo in What's New Pussycat, some famous comedy movie that was the first movie screenplay Woody Allen ever wrote. Shocker of the century, that, that guy being a toucher. Big glasses, wore sneakers with dress pants. There should have been a red flag over that guy's head 55 years ago. Francois Hardy is ridiculously beautiful. Mother of God. I bet you Mick Jagger zeroed in on her when she was at in um, London in the, in the 60s. He's like a Pepe Le Pew. Francois's music would mature over the years, and she has in the released in the ballpark of 30 albums in her catalog over 50 years. She's one of the best-selling French artists of all time and is considered an absolute music and fashion icon. These days, I actually listen to more Francois than Jacques. Her discog is the same deal as Jacques, cataloged by year of release or uh, the most popular song on the album. I would check out her release from 1963. It's her second album uh, before she met Jacques and the year he was actually in the army. There's a song on there that I absolutely love called Teje Ni Ma Tablere Pas, difficult, that melts my heart. It's track four on the album, that one. Um, Jacques Dutronc and Francois Hardy would remain together through the 1960s during the peak of both their musical music careers and into the 70s where they would have one son together in 1973, Thomas Dutronc. The prodigal power couple's child would become a musician himself. And he actually had a huge hit in France in 2008. He's like a jazz guitarist, but he does other shit too. I don't want to forget this, that two years ago in 2022, Thomas Dutronc released a duet album with his father called Dutronc and Dutronc. Francois and Jacques, they got married in 1981 specifically for tax uh, or financial reasons. They, they both uh, confirm this. You know, they were never, they never really lived, even when they lived together, they like slept in different rooms and they were always out on the road and it grew up. They were together a long time. They consider each other soulmates, but in 1988, they finally split Jacques infidelity and alcohol intake being the chief reasons. Key party is over Jacques. I bet you he banged landsman's ex-wife this guy is a goddamn uh rascal after landsman and his wife got got divorced he and then she, he was writing songs with her he definitely plowed um francois and jacques they never actually got divorced even though they both moved on to healthy long-term relationships with other people they are still best friends and are both still alive and in their 80s of course jacques dutronc has been called one of the most popular performers in the French-speaking world. You know, outside of a cult following in the UK, Jacques remains a ghost in, in English-language countries. I, I love that. It's always exciting to find music that's, like, considered legendary in another part of the world, but, you know, not at home. That's why we dig the crates. Allez, My house is uh, going to be fucked tonight with that one. Anyway, thank you for listening, everyone. New album, new episode next Tuesday. Take care. Mm-hmm.